Church, I'd invite you to open up your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20 as we are continuing our series through the, the Ten Commandments, which we're calling uh, ten good, our Ten Good Words from Our Father. And as you're, you're turning there to Exodus 20, you, you've heard the, the fourth commandment just, just read there by Sarah. And as you're considering these things and before we get into this Sabbath command, I want to share with you a, a quote from a Dr. Susan Coven, who's an internal medicine physician who wrote a column for the Boston Globe a few years ago. She wrote, In the past few years, I've observed an epidemic of sorts, patient after patient suffering from the same condition. The symptoms of this condition include fatigue, irritability, insomnia, anxiety, headaches, heartburn, back pain, and weight gain. There are no blood tests or x-rays diagnostic of this condition, and yet it's easy to recognize the condition is... And before I tell you what the condition is, can any of you relate to some of those symptoms? Maybe I'm describing you right now. Fatigue, irritability, don't elbow the people next to you, insomnia, anxiety, headaches, heartburn, back pain, weight gain. Now certainly these symptoms can go with lots of different problems. But I agree with Dr. Coven that there is a very common problem that is oftentimes causing many of these things. And she goes on to write in her column that the condition is excessive busyness. Excessive busyness. And in the time and the culture that we live in, it's, it's almost like a virtue to be excessively busy, isn't it? We sort of brag to one another about how busy we've been and how busy life is, and we have all these important busy things that we have to do that are pulling on us. And we also almost feel guilty or, or lazy if we're not excessively busy. We almost feel like we have to explain ourselves to someone that it's been kind of a restful week, but don't worry, we're going to get busy here real soon. Things are going to pick back up. Now, the problem with being excessively busy, the problem when our schedules are so packed full and busy, is that oftentimes not only are we physically busy, but our hearts and our minds are busy as well. And when our schedules and our bodies and our hearts and our minds are excessively busy, things start breaking down. Fatigue, irritability, insomnia, anxiety, headaches, right? These things all start to kick in. And instead of treating the problem, we many times try to treat the symptoms with substances, whether it be medications or sleep aids or antidepressants, anti-anxiety medicine, which all might be legitimate at times to have, but we very quickly at times jump to those things, trying to treat the symptoms and ignore the actual underlying problem. 
And we end up becoming enslaved and dependent upon substances because we become enslaved to our busy schedules and to our busy hearts and to our busy minds and to our hurried lives and our lives that just want to go, 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 work, 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 and never know how to rest. And these problems start to come in life. Things start breaking down in life all because we have not honored God with our time. We've forgotten to rest in him. And it's as if our good father knew that this would be one, the one of the ten that we would forget. As it's the only commandment of the ten where he tells us to remember it. Remember the Sabbath day, he says. And because this is the one that we are most likely to forget, and because this is the one we are the most likely to resist, we're going to spend two weeks on this commandment instead of just one like we've been doing with the rest of the ten. And so both this week and next week, we're going to be talking about the fourth commandment, the fourth good word from our Father. And the reason that it's going to take two weeks is because I believe a large chunk of the time today will be needed to simply convince you that this command is still applicable to your life. I mean, all the others you're probably on board with, I would guess. It probably doesn't take too much convincing you that we should not commit idolatry or murder one another or covet or things like that. But remembering the Sabbath... I mean, really remembering the Sabbath? All of our busy hearts and lives right now are silently crying out in unison. But do we really have to? Do we really have to? Won't, I mean, I mean even, even the thought of stopping for a day, it just, it, it brings up all these anxieties and fears within us. Won't stopping for one day actually make the other six even busier? And church, this is, this is the longest of the Ten Commandments. This is the most detailed of the Ten Commandments. This is the most mentioned commandment in the Old and New Testament. And yet, this is the one that most Christians will try to find a way out of. Because we know better. We, we know better what our schedule needs to be than, than God knows. And we will take the fatigue, anxiety, and weight gain. Thank you very much. We're just going to stick with what we think is best. And you see, church, our hearts, our hearts, we struggle with this one. And one of the reasons is our hearts have a difficult time receiving such a good and gracious gift from our Father. Our hearts struggle with this one because we don't really trust that God knows what's best for our schedule and for our time. I mean, here God tells us to remember, to take a day, to rest in him, to worship him, to delight in him. And we can do this by enjoying good food and friends and marveling at his creation. And God gives us a day to go on long walks and take naps and make love and feast and party and celebrate and practice gratitude and to stop our striving and working and simply just rest and enjoy all the gifts he's given us. And we're like... Yeah, but do we have to? Do we have to? 
Many of us, we're, we're like children in the car who've driven, who their, their good and loving father has driven them 12 hours to the beach and they've arrived at the ocean and he opens the car doors wide and says, we're here, we're at the ocean. And they're on their iPads and they're like, but do we have to get out right now? Do we, do we have to actually go out and enjoy this wonderful gift from our father? And some of you, you knew this is the commandment we were on this week, and you've probably come in just locked and loaded, ready to find whatever loophole you can in the Gospels or in Paul's letters to try to find a way around this one because you don't know how to receive this much grace from God. It's just too good. It's too, it's too much grace. You wouldn't know how to handle that much pleasure and joy one day a week, let alone 52 in a whole year. It would just be too much. It'd be too good. And so my prayer for us is that by the end of next Sunday, I realize even after today, we're probably going to have even more questions than I, than I can give answers to, but my, my hope and prayer is that by the end of next Sunday, you will no longer be asking, do we have to obey this command? But instead, that you would be in awe of our God who through Christ has freed us to obey this command. I hope you walk away from next Sunday like, I can't believe I get to obey this good word from my Father. Is God really that good and that gracious and that generous with us that he has built into his creation a rhythm of work and of rest? And this has been my, my observation in the, in the jobs that God has had me in in my adult years. After working in the medical field for eight years and giving medical care to people, and after now working as a pastor for six years and giving pastoral care to people, I don't think this is a coincidence. I can tell you that the most common solution to most people's problems and illnesses and injuries is to rest. I mean, it's kind of crazy. You go to school for years, you learn about all these rare diseases, and the majority of the day you're telling people to drink fluids and rest. If you're ever trying to pretend like you work in the medical field, just go with that line. Like, drink some fluids and rest, and you'll probably be okay. But we are a people so resistant to rest. And so my question for you, church, is, is will you rest? And why, if, if you won't, why not? If you're taking notes or you're, you're journaling throughout the week, this is what I want you to be prayerfully considering this week is, why, why won't I rest? Why is it so difficult for me to rest? What am I afraid of? if I were to rest. Because it's a scary thing to rest. And we all have lots of different fears that we're afraid of. And we'll uncover some of those things as we go through this week and next. But I'm going to let you do some of the, the soul-searching, heart-searching prayer times this week. I'm not going to give you all the reasons why we don't rest, but I want the Lord to uncover some of those in your heart this week. What makes it so difficult for you personally to rest? 
And so this morning, what we'll cover is we're going to go through this, this fourth commandment, this fourth good word from our Father. We're going to understand it in its, in its proper context. We'll then see how Jesus deepens and transforms this good word, as he does with all these Ten Commandments. But admittedly, this one in particular takes a bit more of a dramatic transformation in the New Testament. However, that being said, Jesus never throws this commandment out, but he deepens and transforms it. And so we'll cover those two things today. Understand the commandment, understand how Jesus deepens and transforms this commandment. And then finally, once we've understood those two things, in light of the work of Christ, then we'll start talking about how to weave God's rest into the fabric of our lives. How do, we, how do we take what we believe about the rest we have in Christ and how do we actually weave it into the fabric of our lives, into our days and into our weeks and into our months and into our years? And that will then kind of launch us into next week where next week will be a much more practical uh, uh, sermon where we talk about best ways to practice rest and, and how we can better rest in Christ and enjoy the rest he has provided us. We'll talk about things that are good, just best practices to stop doing on Sabbath days. What are good things to start doing on Sabbath days? Because a Sabbath day or a day of rest is not just a day to veg out on the couch and and lay around. It's a day to rest in God and to worship Him and delight in Him and to be with His people. And that's when real refreshment and restoration and healing come to us. Something I've, I've noticed these last couple weeks as I've been preparing for these sermons on the Sabbath is that Jesus really likes to heal people on the Sabbath. And I don't think that it was true of him just when he walked on the earth. I believe that same thing is true of him today, that he loves to heal people on the Sabbath. He loves to heal people when they rest. There is a certain type of healing that comes to our souls when we rest. And so lots of, lots of things to talk through, lots of things to learn, a lot of questions to address, but let's pray and let's ask the Lord for his help and then we'll, we'll jump in. <clears throat> Father, we do thank you that we can call you Father. We thank you for the the fact that you are a good and a loving Father. And so, Lord, I ask that you would show us by the power of your Spirit how this fourth commandment is, is a good word for us. Show us your heart, God, in giving your people this commandment. And Lord, expose in us what is so resistant to rest. Expose in us the the, the restlessness that we have right now. Even right now as I'm praying, God, there's some of us that just we're, we're restless. We feel hurried. Lord, would you help us rest in you this morning? Would you help us be still and know that you are God? And 
would you bring about that healing that you love to heal with when your people rest in you? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, look with me now at Exodus 20, verse 8. I'm going to read again what uh, Sarah just read for us, this fourth commandment. Hear Hear these words from God. Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This good word starts with remember the Sabbath day. The Hebrew word for Sabbath, it it means to stop or to cease. God commanded his people to remember a Sabbath day or a a stopping day, a ceasing day. This is a day of, of stopping, a day where the people were to stop from their normal pursuits and work so that they could rest and worship and delight in him. You can imagine how good this command would have seemed to people who had just been rescued from slavery. I mean, there were no stopping days in Egypt. The ancient Egyptians, their calendar, it was actually different from how God organized time. They had a 10-day work week. And get this, slaves, they got to work 10 days, and then guess what they got to do after their 10-day work week? They got to work another 10 days. That's right, that's right. Work 10 days, work 10 days, work 10 days, repeat. Something similar was tried actually during the the French Revolution as well. It's because when you remove God from the equation, then I mean, who gets to decide what a week is? I guess we do. We as humans can. And so any ruler who does not fear the Lord or who does not honor his word, they always end up becoming cruel and oppressive and to some degree a tyrant. And so the French television, they, they tried a 10-day work week and it just didn't work out well. Something in people broke. Something didn't go in rhythm that, that, the way that God had created the week to go. And you see Pharaoh as well as secular human, humanists or, or even our inner Pharaohs in us, we, we want a 10-day work week. It's what the inner Pharaoh in us tells us to do. Keep working. Keep working for your approval. Keep working for your provisions. If you don't, no one else is going to. If you don't work, who is left to provide for you? Keep working. Keep working. Keep working on your image. Keep working on how people view you. These are the things that define you. Keep working. But a 10-day work week, a week of constantly working and no rest, it is, it is out of sync with the rhythm that God put into creation. From the very beginning, we see this rhythm that God put into creation from Genesis 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. 
and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now you see, God didn't rest on the seventh day because he was tired. That would be a wrong view of God. But for six, day, for six days, he created everything from nothing. And then he decided that it would be best to make a day distinct and holy and separate from the rest of the week. And so he rests and he shows restraint on the Sabbath day. I mean, think about it. God could have kept creating. God could have kept going. He didn't get worn out. He had more to create. He could have. But there was something that we see that is holy in him resting and showing restraint and not doing everything that he could do. And we see from creation, from the beginning of time, this Sabbath principle has been in effect It wasn't something unique or new coming down from Mount Sinai. Even before they get to Sinai, when God's giving them manna, he's telling them to rest on the Sabbath day. He tells them to remember the Sabbath because it's not a new command. This is something that has been built into the rhythm of creation. And so from creation, the Sabbath principle had been in effect, and this is now something he invites his people into at Sinai. He now invites his people into this, and as his image bearers, we can now reflect his nature and character to his world through working, through creating, through producing for six days, and then through resting. We can bear his image in his world through following his design, through working, producing, creating, and then through resting. Recognizing a a stopping day, recognizing a Sabbath day is, is living in the rhythm that God put into creation. It's rooted in creation. But not only is it rooted in creation, it's also rescued through redemption. Because the explanation of this command is presented actually a little differently when we see it repeated in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And in Deuteronomy chapter 5, this is when Moses, he's reminding the people of the law of God before they enter into the promised land. And we see a repeat of the Ten Commandments. But in this fourth one, he, he explains it a little differently. And in Deuteronomy 5, he says, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Then in verse 15, Skip down to verse 15, he says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. You see, in Exodus, he's tying it into the rooted in creation. In Deuteronomy, he's linking it with their redemption. Because one of the ways that you stop living like a slave is to remember and observe the Sabbath day. One of the ways you stop living like a slave is to remember and observe a stopping day. It's to rest. 
And you remember what we've been saying this whole series is that these, these 10 good words from our Father, this is not a, this is not a checklist of, of ways to get out of Egypt. No, God has already rescued and redeemed his people, and now he's giving them 10 good words to help them not go back to living like slaves again. And all this summer, we've been saying for our church, like, you, you as the redeemed people, those that are in Christ, don't go back to living like a slave again. And these 10 good words are going to help us do that. They're going to keep us from going back to living like slaves and instead live like free and redeemed children of God as we are. And so one of the ways you don't go back into slavery, one of the ways you live like a free child of God is to remember a day to rest and to worship, and to delight in God. You don't have to work continuously and endlessly like you did when you were under other masters. You don't have to be enslaved to the idea that you are what you do. Don't we become enslaved to this, that we are what we do? God doesn't want you to be enslaved to that. You are not what you do. You are not what you produce. You are not what you have achieved. You are not what you have acquired. Or what other people think of you. No, God has redeemed you from that slavery stuff. And you are who he says that you are. You are his children. You are sons and daughters. You are co-heirs with Christ. And it would be good for you to rest and remember that. You are God's child now. That is what defines you. Not your work, not your stuff, not your achievements, not your resume. And it's good for us to take one day every seven and rest and remember that. The Sabbath is rooted in the rhythm of creation and rescued by God for his redeemed people to enjoy. It's to be a delight, to be a blessing, to be a joy. This command is to remember the Sabbath day. Now that word remember, that is God telling us to do more than just mentally remember or think about the Sabbath. It would be similar to if I, if I told you married people to remember your anniversary. I'm telling you to do more than just mentally recall it to mind, Right? I'm telling you to, yes, remember, but then go and do something and act upon it. Remember your anniversary. Remember the Sabbath day, God says. And how do we do that? The rest of the command tells us. He says to keep it holy. It could be translated, you remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. Well, what does it mean to keep something holy? It means to keep something that is set apart, something that's unique, something that's distinct from all the others. When we say that God is holy, we are, part of what we mean by that is that he is set apart. He is other than. He is unique. He is distinct from anyone else. And so, too, the, the stopping day, the Sabbath day, is supposed to be kept Holy, it's supposed to be distinct from all the other days of the week, set apart, holy, uniquely different. Which to some degree, I mean, the fact that you're here this morning, this is, you're, you're living into that 
to some degree, right? This is, this is a distinct morning. We don't do this every morning of the week. But it's supposed to be distinct, set apart, uniquely different. Verse 9 of Exodus 20, follow along with me. It then goes on to say, Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Now listen, the part of the way that the people are to keep the Sabbath day holy is that in general, on the other days, they work. God's people are not to be a lazy people. A day that people are to stop their work means that for the majority of the week, they are working hard. God has built into his creation the need to have a rhythm of work, and rest, and things break down in us and in our relationships and in creation when we don't rest, but also when we don't work. And this, this now this looks differently for, for people in different seasons of life, okay, different, circumstance, different circumstances of life, excuse me. For example, kids, how are you to work hard? Well, for kids, working hard at Many times during the school year, right? Looks like working hard at your schoolwork. Looks like working hard at your, your household chores and the ways that you are helping the, the household run and function. But working hard for you also looks like working hard in your, in your playtime. It means playing, playing hard, being creative, building things, using your imagination, building forts, creating art. Kids can work hard throughout the week through all those different types of things. For those that stay home with kids, this looks like working hard at raising and discipling your kids and, and serving your neighbors and serving your church and creating a household that, that people want to be a part of and that flourishes and that spills over to your neighbors and to the entire church. For those who are retired and you don't have to work for a paycheck, what does it look like for you to be working hard? Well, it looks like you to be diligent in investing in the next generation. It, it looks like you spending large amounts of time praying for people and calling people and writing notes to people and encouraging people and volunteering your time as you're physically able and energy to, to serve others. For those that we would say have normal jobs, right, normal Work weeks and paycheck, this looks like you going and working, and maybe you do have to work six days a week, or, or maybe you have a job that you're blessed to only have to work four to five days, and you work your job four to five days, and then the other time you, you work around the house, and you work on side projects, and you work serving others, and you work serving the church. For those whose work involves others, if you have employees or people that work for you, this command seems to be a blessing to them as well. That we should have a stopping day, not only for ourselves, but for our employees. And the command, you know, this was an agrarian society, but even our livestock, you know. I don't know what this looks like for our guinea pig, but if anyone's got suggestions, I mean, I want, even in this command, it's, 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 it's our employees and those that, that work with us and those that we use to work. It's supposed to be a blessing to everyone around us to be able to have a day of rest. So we are to have a rhythm of work and we are to have a rhythm of rest. 
And you see in this command, God has created a rhythm for life. It includes work and it includes rest. And both are needed in order to really enjoy the blessing of this command from God. If you lay around six days a week and then you think you're going to get your Sabbath on on the seventh, I mean, it just doesn't work. Both overwork and laziness are out of sync with how God designed his creation to function best. And God takes this command seriously. I realize it's the one that most Christians, we take the least seriously, but God takes this command seriously. For those who were intentionally breaking the Sabbath, the civil law that was given to Israel, they, like the death penalty was for Sabbath breakers. We actually see in the Old Testament that one of the main reasons God's one of the main reasons God brings judgment and discipline on his people and he exiles them from the land is because they weren't celebrating sabbaths and feasts enough. He and he instructed them to celebrate, to rest and to feast and they didn't do it and so that is one of the main reasons he's bringing discipline on them and exiling exiling them from the land. It's like fine, you're not going to give the land a rest, I will remove you from the land. I mean, and that just kind of even blows our minds about how we think about God. Isn't God amazing? He brings discipline on his people because they weren't resting and partying enough. God took the remembering of the Sabbath so seriously because a lack of practicing the Sabbath was really a sign that his people were not trusting him or enjoying him. I mean, you can say whatever with your lips about how you trust God, how you rest in him, but show me how you're spending your money and your time, and we will see how you are trusting and enjoying him. And this is why God took it so seriously. The fact that they weren't recognizing and resting on the Sabbath, the fact that they weren't practicing these feasts he'd given them to do, it was really a sign that the people were not trusting him and enjoying him. Can the same be said of us? You see, in order to be able to really rest in God, you have to have a relationship with God and you have to trust him. There is a relational trust that is needed but often lacking when people don't rest in God. Will you rest in God? Do you have enough relational trust in God? to take a rest from the things you are working for and striving after? Will you honor God with your schedule so that your soul would be able to rest and be healed? Pastor Pete Scazzaro, he writes in his book, The Emotionally Healthy Leader, He writes, work requires something of us. It depletes our energies, our wisdom, our reserves. If we don't allow the soil of our souls to rest, we do violence to ourselves.
This is the problem with resisting this good word from our Father. Now, now we'll, we'll see how Jesus deepens and transforms this command. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to that. But when we think that we can ignore how God has designed his creation to function, we do violence to ourselves. For those who are in Christ, for those who have trusted Christ for their life and salvation, it's not as if breaking this command is going to lead to your condemnation. No, but by breaking this command, you will be breaking something in you. Things will start to break down in how God had designed you to function best. But the good news, church, is that Jesus loves to heal people on the Sabbath if we'll stop resisting and instead enjoy the rest that he provides us. Now, the Bible doesn't go into a lot of details as to how to observe the, the Sabbath, except that it is, a, it is a day of resting, of worshiping, and delighting in God. And so uh, what you know, good religious people do is what the Jewish religious leader did the Jewish religious leaders did is they came in and they added a bunch of their own rules to try to keep the Sabbath. And that's what Jesus then, that's when Jesus arrives on the scene and what he's, he's up against. So many of the Jewish religious leaders, they'd added a bunch of their own rules to, to make the Sabbath a burden to people. I mean, they made rules like you couldn't, you couldn't spit on the ground in case it landed on dirt and it turned into mud and that would be considered working, okay? So they're like, you can't spit on the Sabbath. You can't untie knots. You can't look in a mirror because if you looked in a mirror, you might see a gray hair and you'd be tempted to pluck it. But you, if you pluck it, you're going to break the Sabbath and that's not rest, that's work. You see, these were all things that were not in God's word or God's law, but just these are things we just added on to it. And so Jesus arrives on the scene, and he starts having now conflicts with the religious leaders over the Sabbath. And Jesus has conflicts with the religious leaders over the Sabbath is because people had taken a good gift from God that was intended to be a blessing, and they had somehow then turned it into a burden, a crushing burden for people. And so as we move through kind of these Sabbath talks and into next week, we get more practical about how we can best rest in Christ. We wanna, I want to be careful to guard us from, from moving to that end of the spectrum where we start making this a, a crushing burden on anyone. That's not God's intent. That's not God's heart. This was meant to be a joyful blessing to people. And so thankfully, Jesus arrives on the scene to deepen and transform our understanding of the Sabbath. And so in Mark chapter 2, Jesus is walking with his disciples through a grain field one Sabbath, and they're plucking heads of grain because they were hungry, which, by the way, was not breaking God's law in any way. However, it was breaking the rabbi's system and tradition and restrictive rules. And they ask Jesus, why are you breaking our system by traveling and reaping grain? And in Mark chapter 2, I'm just going to summarize it for you. Jesus points them back to a story in 1 Samuel about David who was the anointed king of Israel. And David, he's on the run from Saul. If you remember this story, he's on the run from Saul and him and his men are hungry. And he shows up and he asks the priest if they have something to eat. And all the priest had on hand was the bread of the presence, which was not to be eaten by normal people, it was just to be eaten by the priests. 
But the priest sees that David and his men are hungry, they're starving, they're famished, and he, and he gives them this bread. And you see, the priest understood something that the Pharisees did not. The Pharisees oftentimes separated the words of God from the heart of God and missed the whole point. Right? Don't separate the words of God from the heart of God and miss the whole point and purpose of why God gave certain commands. The Pharisees, they cared more about their rules and their traditions and their rituals than they did about people. And this is what Jesus comes, is just like head-on collision, like he's going he's gonna to encounter th- this wrong thinking about the Sabbath. And eventually then in Mark 2, verse 27, Mark 2, 27, Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Pharisees were missing God's heart in the Sabbath. And Andrea, you can leave that up for a little bit longer. The Pharisees were missing God's heart in the Sabbath. God intended, God's intended purpose for the Sabbath was for it to be a joyful blessing to humanity, not a crushing burden. And so here we see Jesus rescue the Sabbath deepen the Sabbath, transform the Sabbath. Here we see Jesus declares his authority over the Sabbath. I mean, the Pharisees, you know, the Pharisees nitpicking Jesus on the Sabbath is sort of like us, uh, you know, complaining about an ambulance breaking the speed limit to get someone to the hospital. You're missing the whole point of the intent of the law. And Jesus declares that he has authority over the Sabbath. You see, the seventh day of creation and the Sabbath command given by God to his people, it was always intended to ultimately point us to the rest that we can receive through faith in Christ. Through Jesus becoming our Lord and Savior. This, this, this Sabbath principle that we saw in creation, this Sabbath command we see at Sinai, it was ultimately meant to lead us to Christ, to find our rest in Him. And the author of Hebrews agrees with this in chapter 4, where he's given a commentary on Psalm 95. Hebrews 4, verse 3. It says, for we who have believed enter that rest. I know this is difficult to just jump into a passage. I, I preached a sermon as we were preaching through Hebrews on Hebrews 4 that you could go back and listen to. But, but listen, I'll, I'll explain it. But verse 3, for we who have believed enter that rest. As he said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. You see, in Christ, you can go back and and look through Hebrews 4 on your own, but in Christ, we can rest from working for our right standing with God. In Christ, we can rest. For we who have believed have entered that rest. In Christ, we can rest from hiding or covering our sin. We can bring it to Him. Because let me tell you, working for a right standing with God, it is exhausting, isn't it? We've all tried it. 
working for our own right standing with God, it is exhausting. Trying to earn his favor, trying to earn his acceptance on our, based upon our own merits, is, that is a wearisome task, and it is ultimately impossible. But it's through faith in Christ. It's those who believe in Christ. It's in Christ that we find the true Sabbath rest that our hearts are longing for. And it's not because of our good work that we get to rest. It's because of his good work we get to rest. But just like Jesus' kingdom, we've talked about this before, it's, it's an already not yet kingdom that we live in, right? It's already here, but not yet fully realized. And in a similar way, so too is our rest in Christ an already not yet kind of rest. It's already here. We can already start to experience that Sabbath rest in Christ now, but we also see that there's, it's not yet fully here. A rest that we're going to fully enjoy in the new heavens and the new earth. Because in Hebrews 4, it, it goes on then to say in verse 9, in Hebrews 4 verse 9, it goes on to say, So then there remains, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. So let me sum up so far what we've talked about from the New Testament, how Jesus deepens and transforms and rescues the Sabbath, okay? We've seen that the Sabbath is intended by God to be a blessing and not a burden to humanity. We've seen that the Sabbath, it leads us to find and enjoy rest in the finished work of Christ, And therefore, those who have trusted in Jesus for their salvation, you have already entered that rest. And yet, and yet, there still remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God in the new heavens and the new earth. We're in this already not yet rest, which is why I believe it is still best to be practicing a Sabbath. It's because, yes, we've entered into rest in Christ, but we're still looking forward to the eternal Sabbath rest. So the ultimate obedience to the fourth commandment, because I know this is what we want to boil it down to, what, what is the ultimate obedience to the heart of the fourth commandment? I believe the ultimate obedience to the fourth commandment is, for, the, for people this side of the cross and resurrection is to rest in the finished work of Christ. This is our call. This is our call from God to people now after post the, the cross and resurrection. It is to rest in the finished work of Christ. This is what we call to people to every week as we preach the gospel. Come and rest in the finished work of Christ. You cannot work for your salvation. You cannot work for a right standing with God. You have fallen short. We all have. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Come by faith. Receive God's grace and rest in the finished work of Christ. That is the heart of the fourth commandment, that we would rest in the finished work of Christ. However, I do believe it is best to still practice a weekly Sabbath because we have an already not yet rest in Christ. 
We already experience rest in him. Yes and amen. We enjoy that every day of the week. But we're not yet in the new heavens and new earth. And so when we practice a day of rest, when we practice Sabbath, when we honor God with our schedules, not only are we remembering and enjoying what Christ has accomplished for us, not only are we allowing our souls to slow down enough to find rest and healing that they need, but also when we practice Sabbath, we are learning how to experience the joy that we will live in in the new heavens and new earth. We, when we practice Sabbath now, we are practicing for eternity. Practicing the Sabbath now, having a day of rest now, it's like preparing for how we're going to live in the new heavens and new earth. Isn't, isn't that a cool thought? Like, have you ever thought about preparing yourself for the new heavens and new earth? Ever thought about practicing living now as you will in the new heavens and new earth? Like, why, why not start living like that one day a week? Like, think about this. Do you think you'll be able to hold a grudge and be bitter with people in the new heavens and new earth? Well, why not? Like, maybe, maybe try one day a week just giving your grudges a rest and enjoying the freedom of forgiveness for one day. Just do it for one day a week. And see, I think you're going to fall in love with it. I think you're going to fall in love with how we will live in that eternal Sabbath rest. Do you think you're going to be depressed and heavy-hearted in the new heavens and new earth? I realize there's lots to be sad about, lots to grieve over, lots of hard things in life. So God doesn't call us to always 24-7 just, just try to always just be uh, uh, joyful and not feel the heaviness of life. But maybe one day a week, we set aside our sadness, we set aside our burdens, we set aside all the brokenness of life. What if one day a week we just chose joy and gratitude instead and we started getting familiar how to live like that? What if we just started practicing now how we're going to live with Jesus forever? Because we are going to feast and laugh and celebrate and sing for all of eternity. And maybe one day a week it would be a good idea to start getting ready for that. I mean, I, don't, don't embarrass me at the marriage supper of the Lamb, okay? I don't want you guys being the group that like, doesn't know how to party and celebrate, all right? You don't want to be that group. I'm sort of being humorous, but we should be practicing and preparing for what's coming for us. Doesn't that sort of transform a, well, do, do we have to? It's like, it's, it's the question, that, you know, if someone were to ask me, like, can't I be miserable and grumpy all life and still go to heaven? I guess you could. It just doesn't seem consistent with your calling. What if we took one day a week to rest and to worship and to celebrate and to feast and to practice for how we are going to live with Jesus in the new heavens and new earth? But there is a lot of freedom in how and when we practice the Sabbath. 
There is a lot of freedom for how and when we practice a day of rest. In fact, this is not a new issue, but one that the Apostle Paul had to deal with in giving instructions to the early churches who were made up of former Jews who were very used to keeping the Sabbath from uh, Friday you know, sundown to Saturday, as well as now Gentiles who were coming together and being part of churches and trying to form one church together. And what we see in the early church was that after Jesus rose from the dead, his followers started gathering on the first day of the week instead of the seventh. You see, they understood that Jesus was Lord of the Sabbath, and therefore his resurrection could change even the day of worship and the day of gathering for many Jews who were well aware of the Ten Commandments. And so they started gathering then on the first day of the week instead of the seventh. Going to go through a couple of verses quickly. Acts 20, verse 7, just to, so you can see that they started gathering now on the first day of the week. Acts 20, verse 7, on the first day of the week, when they were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day. 1 Corinthians 16. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. Verse 2. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up so that there will be no collecting when I come. We then see in the early church, the first day of the week later then became known as the Lord's Day. In Revelation 1, verse 10, John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. And so in the early church, there, there were these questions and, and, and a bit of confusion as to whether people should still observe a Sabbath from sundown Friday to Saturday, or whether now people should celebrate Sunday morning, whether or not some people should do both. And there was kind of these debates and confusions about what to do. When do we take a time of rest and worship? And Paul, in writing to the Colossians, in Colossians 2, he says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival, or in a new moon, or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. The substance belong to Christ. We won't go there, but then in Romans 14, Paul talks about matters of the conscience, which we talked about as we went through Romans, and it, he seems to put how and, when, how and when we Sabbath into this matter of conscience category. And so what this means for us is that we are to practice Sabbath and rest in the finished work of Christ. We are to honor God with our schedules and set apart time to worship and rest in Him. Whether we do that or not is not really up for debate. But it's how and when we do that that there is a lot of freedom. There is a lot of Christian liberty in this. It is a matter of conscience for some people. Some people, their, their conscience binds them to, it must be the Lord's day. It must be the first day of the week. And if that is where someone's conscience is, I would say, by all means, obey your conscience in that. For others, they, they see freedom and, and, and know, I would have a better day of rest and worship actually on a Saturday. And so I'm going to rest and stop my work from Friday night to Saturday. Some churches gather for worship Saturday night. Some churches gather for worship Sunday night. Some pastors like me, we take a day of rest on Monday. And so the question is not whether we are to rest and honor God with our time and rest in him and worship him. 
But there is now freedom in how and when we do that. And we should not make such rigid man-made rules and turn what God intended to be a blessing into some type of burden that we put on other people. The question is not so much whether you Sabbath on Saturday or Sunday or both. The question is, are you resting in the finished work of Christ? And are you honoring God with your schedule so that you remember to rest in the finished work of Christ? Are you resting in the finished work of Christ? I think many of you would say yes and amen to that. And so here's now, it's okay, how do we practically remember and enjoy the rest we have in Christ? How do we remember to receive this gift of rest that God has provided? How, to, how do we weave Christ's rest into the fabric of our lives? I think we see that here in this good word from our Father. We practice Sabbath. We rest. Not for our justification, but for our joy. We honor God with our time. We don't become slaves to our schedules. We recognize the rhythm that God has built into his creation. We recognize what he has rescued through our redemption. We remember the rest that he provides us in Christ. And so we practice a Sabbath for our joy. We practice, we practice stopping and resting and worshiping and delighting. You see, we, many of us, we believe the gospel. But this is the way to weave what we believe into the fabric of our weekly rhythm. And what we'll see next week is how this Sabbath principle in our weekly rhythm, how it spills over into our days, how there should be an element of our day that is Sabbath, how it spills, spills over into our months and our years, and we'll talk about things like sabbaticals and extended times of rest. But this principle of the Sabbath, this time of rest, this rhythm of work and rest, this is how we take what we believe about the gospel and we actually put it into our lives and we feel it and it's a tangible and we live it, put flesh on it. John Mark Comer, he writes, Sabbath is a discipline of celebration and a delivery mechanism for joy. It is one of the most important disciplines by which we become people who are full of joy, like our God. Love that. Delivery mechanism for joy. Many of us are lacking joy. Are we resting in God? Are we honoring God with our time? Will you be disciplined to celebrate? Will you honor God with your schedule and take, and take time to stop your pursuits and enjoy God and his delivery mechanism for joy? What, what, what are you afraid of? I want you to write those hesitations you have down because we all probably now have hesitations like maybe, maybe you can do that as a pastor, but I can't do that with my job. So I want you to write down, I want you to put it on paper what your hesitations are with taking a day of rest. And so that's part of your homework for this week. What, what makes it so hard to rest for you? What are your hesitations in resting? And I would love to, to hear, from, hear those things from you. So email them to me, text me, talk, call me, 
I would love to hear that. <clears throat> but, but here's some other homework that I want to give you this week. I mean, the fact that you are here on a Sunday morning worshiping God when you could be working or doing other things, to some degree, you are, you are living in this, okay? You have stopped your schedule to come and to rest and to worship and delight in God. But let me encourage you this next week to be even more intentional and engaged with practicing a day of rest. And for most of your work schedules, Sunday is probably going to be the best day to, of rest and worship, but, but there's freedom there. Maybe, maybe it is Friday. Maybe it is Friday night into Saturday night. Maybe it is Saturday night into Sunday night. Maybe it is Monday. I don't know what that looks like for you, but be more intentional with a day of rest. You're not going to be great at it at first if you've never done this or been intentional with it, but I think the first step is just preparing for it, just marking your calendar for it. Gathering your family together and say, hey, right now, we, we are starting a day of rest. If Sunday has already been a day of rest for you, which I know many of you, Sunday is that day of rest and worship. Let me, let me encourage you just to try this. Again, there's freedom here. I want you to try this. How about you try your Sunday day of rest and worship? Start it Saturday night at dinner. The biblical understanding of many of the writers of the Bible, right, they understood the day starts the night before. Start, Sunday, start Saturday night. Mark your calendars. Now is a time we're stopping our work. We're stopping our pursuits. We're going to rest in God. We're going to practice gratitude. We're going to stop working on our spouses and just be grateful for who they are tonight. We're going to stop working on our kids, and we're just going to bless them and, and express how grateful we are for them tonight. We're going to go to bed early. We're going to be rested. We're going to come into the, the congregation Sunday morning, having just had a, a wonderful time of refreshment Saturday night with the Lord. Or maybe for you, Saturday night, it wouldn't work. Maybe even a whole day of rest or worship is just outside of what you can even get your mind around, and if that's the case, it's okay. But if you've never tried to be intentional with a time of rest, this is what I encourage you to do this week, is to try to carve out three hours of time. Three hours. Find three hours of, of your time and, and, and mark that out as a time to stop. A time to stop striving, stop working, stop pursuing, stop getting more information, stop reading the news, stop, stop consuming, stop buying, stop acquiring just stop and just rest in God. Enjoy creation. Enjoy good food. Enjoy good conversation. Practice gratitude. Start learning to live as you will live in the new heavens and new earth. And I'd invite you to do that together. We'll do that together as a church three hours of your time this week. We'll come back together next Sunday. We'll talk about why, you know, what was hard about that. We'll talk about how we could do that better. We'll talk about things that have worked for some and not for others. And so I'd encourage you this week, carve out three hours of time to stop. <clears throat> All right, I'll close now. Close with a couple of questions. Will you honor God with your time? Will you honor God with your time? Will you stop your pursuits for, for a time to enjoy what he has already given you. 
And may we see what a privilege and blessing it is that God calls us to rest and delight in him. And may we learn to enjoy resting in the finished work of Christ more and more, that our souls would find their rest in God and that he would provide us that Sabbath healing and rest that we long for. So let's pray. Let's ask for the Lord's help.